0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. I'm delighted to see you here today. It's an opportunity to hear the Word of God. and Again, I like to say it this way, you get into the Word and God will get into you, and I believe that's what will happen today. If you're a guest, I welcome you today. We're glad you're here, and we're not perfect around here just forgiven. And so, again, I welcome you, if you need a Bible, why don't you raise up your hand real high. And we would like to get the Word of God into your hands, however you do that, whether that's your phone or taking notes or looking straight through the Bible. I, I, again, highly recommend that you make that a habit of your life. Once you go to the Bible or get your Bible, we'll go to the book of Romans chapter 1 and then the book of Romans chapter 12. Now, to give you some thoughts where we're going to take off today, What's the, the predominant way that you think or the source of how you think? How do you make decisions in your life? You know, how do you look at things and say, well, that's good, that's bad, that's false, that's true. And so every day, every one of us in here are, are making decisions in our life. But how and what am I using to make those decisions on? So we want to help you a little bit. Now, I, I will tell you as we begin today. There's two words that you'll really begin to see play today. Number one is our our thoughts and our minds. And number two, the word the world. So we'll try to define some of those for you today. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God, that's a different side of God right there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And what this gets over here is that when we become ungodly and start living in an unrighteous manner, God is not opposed to mankind, but God is opposed to sin. He's not against the human, he's against sin. And when you see the wrath of God, it's because of sin, is what this verse is saying. It goes on to say, Who suppress or hold down or hinder... The truth in unrighteousness. So we suppress the truth many times to protect a certain type of a lifestyle is what this is talking about. I would rather live this way than live by the word of God. Verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest or evident in them. For God has, has shown it to them. God has revealed it to us plainly. how. Well how did he do that? Well verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. And this is talking about the the order and the beauty of our earth. Now just think a little bit about how the beauty and the order of the earth works. God is the one who told the sun when to rise and when to set. God tells the stars when to come out at night. God told the the rivers which way to flow. God told the, the trees when to... Have leaves on it and when not. And so over and over again we have the opportunity on a daily basis to just see how God's order and his beauty operate in this earth. And he goes on to say in verse 20: Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so we, we don't live with excuses. God's his his evidence is all around us. Verse 21 because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were they thankful now it's interesting some of the words he uses here this is apostle paul talking but he said they knew about God many times as human beings we we know about God but do I know God see there's a huge difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. And that's the same with God. And so there's many people within our society that they know about God. But the proof that you know God comes down to how well do you glorify Him and do you give Him thanks. So when you talk about the words glorifying God and giving God thanks, we're literally talking about praise and worship. So I can stand here today and tell you I know God. But the proof of the pudding is this right here. Do you glorify Him? Do you give Him thanks? Now right now, just for a second, think about what that verse just said. And give yourself a grade. Do I glorify God? Do I thank God? I can tell you this, when you stroll in here on a Sunday morning and you put your hands in your pocket during praise and worship and then just do this, that's not really glorifying God. And so part of our praise is, I thank God, I, I don't know about you, I'm very grateful to God in my life. Because I, I have the reality, or I know the reality of my life, that without God in my life, I would either be dead or I would probably be in prison. And many of you can say, yes, verily, that's me too. And so I'm, I'm grateful. And so again, part of the test is, I, I can know God, I can really know who He is. I can, I can praise Him and worship Him. Now, this verse gets a little bit interesting here, the way He ends verse 21. So the ones that don't glorify God, and they don't give Him thanks, they became futile in their thoughts. They became futile in their mind. They became futile in their thinking. So now... How do we describe the word futile? Well, listen to some of the definitions of that word futile. It means to make empty, vain, foolish, useless, confused, perverted in their logic. So again, it all started back that we can say we know God, but if I really know God, I'm going to glorify God, and I'm going to give God thanks. And so because of this... When we lack that in our lives, we become futile in our thinking. He ends verse 21 and says, And they were foolish, or their foolish hearts were darkened. And so, again, something begins to happen on the inside of us. He goes on to say in verse 22 professing or claiming to be wise in their own eyes or in the eyes of mankind, they became fools. And they changed the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So what begins to take place here is what I call the Great Exchange. They begin to worship the creature instead of the Creator. And again, God's the Creator, and we're the creature, or we're the creation. And so when I start worshiping things instead of God. My true identity starts changing in this life. And we'll end in verse 25 and he says, Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Now there's only two opportunities here. You're going to either live by the truth or you're going to live by a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. And so again you see here that they opposed the Bible because they, tra- uh, they traded the truth for a lie. So here's the thought for you briefly. Who do you look to? Do you look to the truth do the word of God or do you look to the things of men? And I will say this right now. Be very, very, very careful what you allow to influence your choices and your behaviors right now. And for an illustration, many in our society, our opinions and our beliefs are formed by TV. If your beliefs and your formulas are being formed by Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, you're going to be messed up, okay? Late night talk show hosts. And then we jump to another area that I see that is beginning to vastly shape our society. We listen to the voices of Hollywood as if they're important. I don't know about you. But I don't want my thoughts to be established by George Clooney, okay? And then we jump to the music industry. And I'm going to hit a lot of generations. I really don't care or think much about Jay-Z's thoughts, okay? Bruce Springsteen's or even Barbara Streisand's. And then we get up to the next area that is highly influenced in our society is professional athletes. I don't want my opinion shaped by what Tom Brady says or even LeBron James. And so what ultimately happens, we begin to listen to mankind or we listen to the Word of God. And this becomes a fork in the road in our society right now. And you begin to see in this passage of Scripture that when I don't listen to the things of God, that my thinking becomes futile. Now, turn just a few pages to your right to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And as you're turning there, some of the different translations of Romans 121, the the area of futile, it says, they were foolish in their reasoning. They became godless in their thinking. This was a good one. They were stupid in their speculations. So again, what shapes or forms your beliefs and even your morals today? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you. I, I plead with you. I appeal with you. I urge you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And we he talks about you present your bodies a living sacrifice, he's saying all that we are. Each and every day. His desire is for us to live with Him. Now, He goes on to tell us how. A living sacrifice that is holy, that is acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable response to God. Now, the New International Version says it becomes an act of your worship. What becomes an act of your worship? The way you live before God. Now, there's two things you got to understand what he's talking here. Number one is we don't get saved by works, okay? We get saved by the grace of God. But then again, the way we live our lives, they show a lot to Father God. They reveal a lot about our heart. So this is what he's telling me and you. That there's certain ways that God desires for us to live. We jump into verse number two. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Now, what's interesting to this right here is we've got to understand what the word conformed means in the world. And the world conformed here means do not be shaped or molded after, accommodating oneself to a a certain type of pattern. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. Now listen to some of the definitions of the world. Uh, A godless system that's alienated from God. A pattern of this age. An order. And it's more than just my, my customs and my behaviors. And so he goes on and declares a little bit more. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing there means to renovate your mind, to renovate your thinking, to redirect, to reinstruct the way you think. So God is saying this, for me and you to be transformed, to have a change in the way we live, I gotta change the way I think. And the way I change the way I think to live in a godly manner, I've got to renew my mind to the Word of God. On a daily basis. He goes on to say this. That you may prove, and that word prove there means to test and prove by practice in everyday life what is the good and acceptable or pleasing and perfect will of God. So he begins to give me insight here over and over again. And, and the desire is God saying, I gotta help you change the way you think. Now I wanna read verses 1 and verse 2 in the message translation. Watch how this says it a little different here. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work. And walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do. And so again, here, here's the thought of verse 2. You begin to get into the word of God. And God will get into you. But I must have a desire for the things of God. And so if I don't get into the word. And begin to renew my mind to the word of God. I'm going to be molded like the the, the shape of this world. I'm going to begin to look like the world. And I'm going to begin to act like the world. So the world begins to squeeze me into its form. If you don't dig and and hunger for the word of God, you're going to end up going in the way of the world. There's only two options here. The word or the world. Now, here's a thought for you just for a second. What are you allowing right now to shape the way you live? What influences? What is the influence on the way you raise your children? What is your influence on your morals? How you live? And so again, uh, the the word of God becomes very clear. If you were here last week, Second Corinthians 10, chapter 3, verse 5 said that we are to capture every thought and to bring it into captivity. So we've seen a couple things last week and then already today without the word of God, every one of us in this room will become futile in our thinking. Then we just read, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. And so you begin to see there's something that is targeting our thought process. And whether you can really look back at this in your life right now, everything in our society is going away from the things of God. More and more and more and more. And so again... We're being alienated from the things of God. That's why we must hunger and thirst for this book. There's two roads. There's a fork, okay? Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter seven. And as you're turning there, this passage here will begin to show you exactly what that fork in this road is going to look like. And oftentimes in our life, we have this thought, I want to blend in. I want to fit in with the crowds. But what happens many times, we do that at the expense of God. We don't live like God wants us to. And so ultimately, we do what is said in in Matthew, or not Matthew, James 4.8. It says, don't be double-minded. Don't live a double standard. And what that means is there's a tug of war within every one of us in here that pulls us to the things of the world. Where, man, I've got to stand opposed to the things of the world and say, I'm going to live for God. Now, we can watch this right here real close because we'll start in verse 13. This is red letter words. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus. And I'm just going to read verses 13 and 14 here. And watch what this says. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. Now, why would Jesus call this gate or this road narrow? And think just, a little, just for, for a brief moment again here. When I talk about a narrow gate or a narrow road, it's, it's, it's like this. The reason it's narrow is there's no shortcuts. The reason it's narrow, according to our Lord and Savior Jesus, is because there's only one way to get in. This narrow gate. So Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So understand again, there's not 33 ways, there's not 10 ways. There's one way in. That's why it's called the narrow gate. It's the narrow road. Back to verse 13. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. This road to destruction, one translation says it's the highway to hell. And on that road, he, he described it as this. That it's not only the road to destruction, but there are many who go in by it. So he started with this narrow road, and then his next thought is he said, the only other road, if you don't go by the narrow road, is this road that's broad and broad and wide. And that road is the road that's destruction. And there are many of it who go in that way. The majority. The crowds. So think about this. It would be like being on the loop at 5 o'clock. And the flow of traffic is going one way. The majority is going one way and it's bumper bumper to bumper, bumper to bumper. And I mean, it's moving fast. But Jesus says that road's the wrong way. And if you go on the loop backwards, it's the road to destruction. So it's like Jesus has this massive neon sign and it says, Make a U-turn. You're going the wrong direction. If you want on the road that leads to life, it's very narrow. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now this was Jesus' words. So this road that leads to destruction is the the road that the majority of the people are on. But there's this narrow road. And Jesus said just a few are on it and it's difficult. And one of the reasons it's difficult, because it may not be the most popular. Because to live for Jesus, it's going to take a life of discipline. And then also you're going to have to go against the flow of the world. Now, uh, even 20 or 30 years ago in America... You wouldn't be persecuted much for being a Christian. But the farther we go in this, the more you're going to see that people are going to persecute you for being a believer. And a lot of times people will have this thought, well, I would rather fit in the crowd than serve Jesus. But see, he's telling me and you right here, you got a choice to make. There's a split or a fork in the road. And Jesus is saying, come on, come this way. Now, I saw a survey not long ago. And in the 60s, one of the most popular person in a city would be a pastor. Now, pastors rank number 13 in their cities. And you begin to see there's more and more people in our society that are beginning to pull away from the church or say the church is not relevant anymore. And the closer we get to the return of Jesus coming back, you're going to see this more and more and more and more. So I've got a purpose in my heart to say, okay, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live by the word of God. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's kind of like the old saying, trying to keep up with the Joneses, if your last name's Jones, I'm not targeting you today, okay, just slang and speech what we say, but again, that's what's become with our society, it's like if it's popular, let's do it, it's okay, it's okay. Well, I've got to make my standard the Word of God. Now, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. I'm going to read it in the New King James, and then I'm going to read it in the message because it really brings it to light. Verse 3. But even if our gospel, the Word of God, is veiled or hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing. Now, again, the gospel is the good news. The gospel is the Word of God the gospel is ultimately how I need to live my life. Look at this in the, in the message. If our message is obscure to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these other people are looking or going the wrong way, or are on the wrong way on the loop, and they refuse to give it serious attention. We don't want to listen to the gospel. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God. And then he stops right there. until so we jump into verse 4. Now watch this. He said, those whose eyes are being veiled, for they are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Whose minds the God of this world has blinded. Who's the God of this age or the God of this world? Well, we'll note. In your Bible that the word God right there is little g. It's the devil. The God of this age is Satan. And everything of this age or this world. Whether you realize it or not. Is pulling you or you're gravitating toward it. Unless you stand up and say I'm not going to go there. So the God of this age. The devil has blinded their eyes who do not believe the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So the devil right here, he knows the significance of you and me getting a hold of the word of God. So he keeps our minds blinded to the truth. The only way we're set free, according to John 8, 31, is you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the devil makes a high emphasis on you not getting the word of God. He does not want you getting the word of God. So if we had time, we would go to Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Verse 15, it says that when you hear the word of God, the devil comes immediately to steal your wallet. That's not what it says. It says he comes immediately to steal the word of God that you heard. So right here it tells me, The devil does not want you hearing the word of God. When I begin to hear the word of God, you become dangerous to them. Because he knows if you don't ever hear the word of God, that that you're never going to walk in freedom. You're never going to walk in truth. So he goes to high degrees to keep you from getting the word of God. And some of the parable of the sower there in Mark 4, he does this thing called the cares of this world. Are you so obstructed with the cares of this world that I don't have time for God? One of the tricks of the devil in our society right now is to keep you busy. If I can keep you busy, you won't get into the Word. And when you don't get into the Word, he has got you. So think about all our lives. Woo, Monday morning rolls around. We got school. We got work. We got ball practice. We got dentist appointment. We got gymnastics. We got PTA meetings. And you begin to look at your week. And your week is like this. It's a big, big pie. And if I'm not careful, there's not even a little slice left over for God. So he keeps you busy in any way he can. Keeps you busy. And it says, the cares of this world... And the deceitfulness of riches. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Why? Keep up with the Joneses, usually. But his goal is to keep you from getting into the Word of God. So the old-time evangelist, and many of you may have heard of him or you may not, his name was Smith Wigglesworth. What a name. Smith Wigglesworth said this about us as human beings. We feed our natural man three hot meals a day. And we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're starving to death spiritually or we're malnourished spiritually. Now this is how we operate as human beings. We have an inward clock on the inside of us. We know when it's time to eat. When you start getting older, you don't have to have your wife or your husband say, Hey, you better get in there and eat. We're pretty good at eating, whether it's 6 in the morning, noon, 5 in the evening, 7 in the evening. And some of us, we don't eat just three meals a day. We got some snacks in there. Big snacks. So again, we don't have to be told to eat. But what are we doing with the Word of God? Every sacrifice is based on preference. Preference. So if the devil's going to this type of an extreme to keep you in my eyes or minds blinded to the truth, that means we got to work overtime to get into the truth. Now, if you were here a week ago in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, it said to parents, you tell your kids about the Word of God. You speak to them about the Word of God. You get the Word in your children." He was so passionate about getting the word in him. He said, you write it on the doorposts of your house. You write it on the walls. You put a tattoo on your, get the word in your children. Why is that so significant? Well, there's a move right now across our land to get God out of our schools. He doesn't want you, your kids here. In The things of God. So you can go back 40 years ago. We kicked God out of the public schools. Oh no. We're not going to pray in the name of Jesus. But you can pray in any other name. But don't you pray in the name of Jesus. And then they said. Let's get the Ten Commandments out of our schools. So you take prayer out of our schools. You take the Ten Commandments out of our schools. To most school aged children. Where's God? How many of you remember going to school. This will date some of us. Do you remember the Ten Commandments being somewhere on your school? I remember, and I'm only 29, I remember. So what would happen is I remember looking in those classrooms and you would see the Ten Commandments say, Thou shall not lie, thou shall not steal. And so you begin to see those things, so they become my model of life. Not because man said God said it. So there's a move in American society right now to kick God out of everything. How many of you have heard they want to change our pledge? Get God out of our pledge. Get God off our money. There's a big move for that. If you ever looked at a bill that says in God we try, Well, let's take that off. Let's get God out of our society because you know what? We're human beings. We don't need a God to tell us what to do. We're smart. No, we're stupid. We're the creation. We're not the creator. And so looking at this passage here, keep reading with me. He says, whose mind the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, least the the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You know what he's telling us? Without the word of God in your life, you won't experience the glory of God. He chokes us. He cuts us off. Does not want you to hear the word of God. So when you begin to look at all this, it didn't matter what translation it was. Every one of them said he's blinded their minds. He goes after that. Let me tell you the law of exposure. Our lives are determined by our thoughts. And our thoughts are determined by what we are exposed to. And you know what? It's a choice for every one of us. You can be the greatest player of... I went blank on the TV show. What's the one with Pat Sajak? Wheel of Fortune. There you go. Whew. Wouldn't think i speak for a living. You can solve every problem, every puzzle on Wheel of Fortune. You can be the smartest member of your house. But it doesn't help me spiritually a bit. I've got to make time to get into the Word of God. Begin to allow the Word of God to shape the way you think. Again, you get into God's Word and God will get into you. Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says this. I set before you this day life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live so God's so good to us as human beings he tells us only the two options and you see the two options all day long. I can live by the narrow road or I can live by the broad road. I can go on the road that leads to life or I can go on the road that leads to destruction. I can experience life, I can experience death. I can experience blessing or I can experience cursing. But in Deuteronomy 30, 19, God cheats and he cheats so much he tells you the answer. He said, psst, choose life. Choose life. So that you and your descendants your children may live. Again, there's a move in America to extend, extenuate or extinguish the things of God in our homes. It's it's time we fight back. And I'm, I'm not saying against the world; it's against the devil that we say, "Huh?" Not in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of Jesus. Now you got to come back next week because I'm going to get into Joshua 24. I'm going to give you a hint. You know, Joshua stood up before everybody and he said, listen, boys. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I don't know what the rest of you yahoos are going to do, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.